Hey there, I'm Joey Dean, lead pastor of South Lakes Church in Oklahoma City. At South Lakes Church, we exist to be radically devoted to God, relentlessly committed to true community, and remarkably passionate for the lost. We hope your faith is strengthened and you grow closer to Jesus as you listen this morning. Now let's jump into this week's message. Church, how are we doing? Hey, thank you. One clap. Yes, I'll take it. My kids usually just stare at me like this. So anyway, hey, welcome online as well. I'm glad you're here. We had a great first service, and I'm just excited about what the Lord's going to do this second service. Um, Today is a good day. You guys um, going to be sneaking in at some point is going to be our new student minister and his wife. They were coming straight from their church, and uh, we have a Q&A luncheon with them. We have a picture of them. This is Landon, and this is Ashley, and so we're super excited. Um, in our six years of existence, this is our first outside, genuine outside hire we've ever done, and so it's taken a long time, many, many months of being able to prayer and and conversating and all that stuff. And so we're excited about um, him coming and leading our 7th through 12th grade ministry. And so um, if you uh, are in the room and you're like, I didn't know he was coming, and you have kids that fit 5th grade through 12th grade, um, we do have some extra pizza, and you guys are more than welcome to stick around instead of being the kids' area. Anyway, that's exciting. I'm glad that he is coming. Um, I'm also excited that um, Advent is about to start up. It's hard for me to wrap my mind around that Christmas is here. And so let me walk you through what the blueprint of these next, well, what do we got, like six or seven weeks left of, of 2021. So today is our second to last series in the Names of God series. Uh, we'll wrap that up next week. And then the Sunday after Thanksgiving begins Advent, and we are going to be doing a series entitled Unwrapping the Names of Jesus. And this year, instead of writing our own companion Advent guide for families, we actually uh, found this really great uh, guide that's already been written. It's called, ironically enough, Unwrapping the Names of Jesus. And so we went ahead and just bought a bunch of them, and they're, uh, look, I'm all transparency. You can get these on Amazon for $9.49, all right? Or you can get them for $10 here. Once you add taxes on, you're going to be paying more. There was a couple out there earlier saying, can I get this cheaper online? I was like, yeah, you dirty dog, you sure can. So anyway, so if you would like to save 41 cents, you can get it online, all right? Um, But Uh, There was a bunch of them that got taken during first service, but this is not just if you have kids at home. This is if you're empty nesters, if you're single, it doesn't matter. This is just a really cool daily guide that will walk you through the five weeks of Advent that will walk alongside of the sermons. Also, the exact same things that we're going to be doing in SO Kids um, during the Advent season. So that's it for my infomercial and we're done. All right. So let's pray and then we're going to dive in to the next name of God. Would you bow your heads? close your eyes with me. Father, we come to you in the mighty name of Jesus, and we just ask, we beg, we plead, would your spirit fall on this place, God? Would there be a freedom both in this room and in living rooms and and offices or wherever people are watching online? And I pray that your spirit would move in a mighty way. God, I pray that you would speak into the heart language of each individual that's hearing my voice today. God, that they would hear your voice that you would speak words of compassion and encouragement or maybe words of conviction and maybe you need to tear down some pride, Father, or maybe you need to build up someone that is just devastated. I I don't know, but you do. 
And so, Father, I ask that you would just have the freedom to move in the hearts of people and that we would have open hands to receive the things that you have for us today. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Hey, grab a Bible, if you will, or grab you version on your phone, or grab a Bible in the seat in front of you. We're going to be in the second book of the Bible today, Exodus, Exodus chapter 17. This morning, hopefully you were handed sermon notes on the way in. Yeah, make sure you pick up a companion Bible study on the way out too. You can walk through uh, what we're going to be talking about today in more depth on your personal time. So today, we're going to be walking through uh, the story of a battle, a battle between the Israelites and an opposing force. And if you know anything about Israelite history or Jewish history, you're like, oh great, another battle. Because I feel like the Old Testament is full of, from the moment that the people are are led out of uh, slavery from Egypt until they land in the promised land, and even during the promised land, there's a lot of battles going on. But this battle is unique. And this battle is unlike any of the other battles that God's people have fought at this, up to this point in their history. And so we're going to be in Exodus chapter 17, and we're going to begin reading in verse 8 this morning. It says, Then Amalek came and fought with Israel at Rephidim. So Moses said to Joshua, Choose for us men and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the, on the top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses told him and fought with Amalek while Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And whenever Moses held up his hand, Israel prevailed. And whenever he lowered his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands grew weary, so they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it while Aaron and Hur held up his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side. So his hands were steady until the going down of the sun." And Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, Write this as a memorial in a book and recite it in the ears of Joshua that I will utterly blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. And then verse verse 15 says this, And Moses built an altar and called the name of it Jehovah Nisi, or your translations will say, The Lord is my banner. Now, what's happening here? Because like I said, Israelites fighting a war against people, that is not necessarily, you know, uncommon in the Bible. But let's unwrap why this is special. We have to recognize that who the Israelites are at this point in their history. They are a group of nomadic people traveling through the wilderness after being um, freed from over 400 years of slavery to the Egyptians. Now, they've experienced some pretty cool things so far of God. They've seen the Red Sea part. They've seen Pharaoh's army utterly be destroyed as the Red Sea came crashing down on them. They've been fed from bread from, uh, by bread from heaven. And they've also been uh, given drink from water that gushed out of a rock. All super cool things. But for the first time since post-slavery, they are now facing an enemy. And not just any enemy, but one that is overwhelming in nature. They are well-trained killers. They know how to fight and they know how to win. And so you've got on one side of this army, on one side of this battle, you've got a group of nomadic herdsmen who are just traveling, trying to get to a promised land that God has told them that they're going to get to, even though no one has seen it because it's been 400 years. And honestly, I mean, they're trespassing. 
They're trespassing in all these lands as they're trying to get to there. And they're traveling not just with a, group, a concise group of, of, of military personnel. There are two and a half million plus people, including women and children and their, and their herds and all their possessions. They're traveling with everything that they have. And so when they come up on the Amalekites, this isn't like, hey, let's fight for pride, right? This is a fight for survival. They are just simply trying to survive the next obstacle that's in the way. And so on one side, like I said, you got the Amalekites. They know how to kill. On the other side, you've got people that know how to make bricks really well. They know how to farm. They know how to, uh, to raise cattle. They don't know a thing about fighting. In fact, look in verse 9. It says, So Moses said to Joshua, Choose for us men. So here's how the leader of the newfound army of Israel was picked. Any, many, mighty, mo. Ah, Joshua. Guess what? You're the new general of the army. I'm what? Yeah, and now what I need you to do is I need you to walk through all of our people and I need you to pick guys that you think are going to do well at swinging a pitchfork or, or a, a shovel or that aren't going to just wimp out when it comes time to fight. Oh, okay. Oh, and I don't really have a game plan for you because I'm not really a military leader, but you just kind of work it out. Okay, so killing machine on one side... Brick makers and farmers on the other with a newly appointed general. Oh, and then it gets even weirder. Because when the fight starts to happen, on a nearby hill is three guys. There's Moses, there's Aaron, and there's Ur. And what happens is really weird. Is that in Moses' hands, he's got the staff. Now, this isn't just any staff. This isn't like a stick he ripped off a tree. This is the staff that God commanded him to throw down in front of Pharaoh that became a snake. This is the staff that he struck the, the, uh, the river Nile with, and it turned to, and all the blood, uh, all the water turned to blood. Like, this is, this is not just any staff. This is, this is the staff of the Lord. And every time that he raises the staff above his hands, these Israelites, this group of brick makers and farmers starts to win. But here's the thing you need to know about Moses. The dude was not young. In fact, he was in his, into his 80s at this point. And so if you can imagine standing with a stick in your hand, a staff, you're going to get tired. A 20-year-old would do it, let alone an 80-plus-year-old. And so as he would get tired and he would lower his hands, the Amalekites would rally and they would begin to win. Well, Aaron and Ur very quickly realized what was going on. So they they got a small boulder, they pushed it up next to him. They said, hey, buddy, you sit down. So he sits down and one gets on one hand and one gets on the other. And together they help raise up Moses' hands until by the end of the day, victory had been won. And so what did Moses do? He did what was common in the Old Testament. He built an altar, and he called it Jehovah Nisi. And if you're taking notes this morning, this is really where your notes begin. Jehovah Nisi simply means, and I've said it already, the battle belong, or the Lord is my banner. I'm sorry. The Lord is my banner. Now, here's the thing. There is no way in the world that they should have won. 
Like, if anything, they should have lost, and they should have lost bad. So how in the world did victory happen? Well, victory happened because the victory of that day belonged to the Lord and to no one else. See, understand this. The battle between the Amalekites and the Israelites actually had nothing to do with the people that were fighting the battle on the field. The battle was actually all about God. And when we realize that the battle was all about God and not the people that were fighting in the middle of the field, then we understand that the raising of the staff that Moses was doing, it was not this symbolic gesture that somehow summoned up some kind of courage or resilience from inside, from within the Israelite army. Like we've all seen those movies, like those Civil War movies, or, or, or just where a battle is going on and the one army, is, they, they are just getting their teeth kicked in and the general takes the flag and he hops on his horse and he rides out in front of the army and he's waving the banner like true William Wallace Braveheart minus, you know, minus the kilt, all right? And so like waving it and what happens? Everyone musters up their courage and they go, let's do it. Let's fight. And then it's like, oh man, you get the chariots of fire theme going and it's like, oh, so cool. That's not what happened here. That's not what happened here at all. This wasn't where every time Moses would raise his hands, people would be like, ah, oh, yes. This is why we're fighting. Let's do this. No. This whole thing, when he would raise his hands with his, with his stick in hand, if you will, it was a reminder that if victory was going to come that day, it was going to have to come from the Lord. It'd have to. Because this was a nomadic group of untrained individuals fighting against an elite army. Their leader was someone who was baking bricks just a few weeks earlier. And that's all that he had known for his life. Like, there is no way the Israelites should have won this battle, but yet God steps in and he shows the Israelites, and this is why this is special, he shows them for the very first time that he was going to fight for them. He would lead them into battle. He would protect them during battle. He would lead them to victory. And because of that, when the, when the, when the altar was erected, Moses says there's only one name that we can give God in this moment, Jehovah Nisi. Now, before I get into that, because we don't really go around saying, hey, you're my banner. Like, if you go around saying, did you know you're my banner, bro? You're probably going to get punched in the face. Like, that's just weird. Like, who says that, right? Like, you should just try. In fact, let's do that. Would you turn to your spouse or someone next to you and say, hey, you're, you're my banner. Just do it. Yeah, it's just weird. That's just weird, right? It is. And so, what is that? Well, we'll talk about that in a second. But see, we've got great news here. If victory is of the Lord, then as believers, you have to know, right, that we're going to face many battles in life. Some are small. Some are big. Some might be financial strains or health problems, addiction, abuse, relationship problems, stress at work, maybe marital difficulties, Maybe unruly children. I mean, the list could just go on and on and on and on. It's not a matter of will you fight battles. It's almost a matter of what battles are you fighting today. And the best news that I can share with you this morning is that whatever battle you're going through, and maybe you're in the midst of a peace right now, and that's great. Don't worry. A battle of some sort will come. Whatever battle that it is that you're facing, what I would share with you this morning is that you do not have the ability to win that battle on your own. You, you can't, but I know who can because he proved it on the battlefield in Exodus 17. 
So Moses erects this altar, and he calls it Jehovah Nisi. But what does that mean, the banner of the Lord? Well, so the word Nisi comes from the root word Ness. And Ness simply means it's a signal pole that is lifted up for others to see. So you've probably seen this in, in uh, battle movies or whatever, or if you've ever gone out to the uh, East Coast and you've seen them reenact like Civil War type stuff. It's the guy that's walking, and he's got the banner on the pole, and it signifies who's, who's the redcoats and who's not, right? That's, that's what it is. That's what the word Nisi, the root word Ness, means. See, the whole point of a banner is to be seen, that's, that's why you hang banners. That's, that's why you do it. And if you're going to put a banner up to be seen, or if you're going to carry a banner to be seen, there's two things that have to be true about that banner. Number one, it has to be unmistakable in nature. Like you can't be able to confuse it with something else. You have to know, ah, I know whose banner that stands for. But also the second thing, and I don't know if this is a word, but I'm using it in any way, is that not only should it be unmistakable, but it's got to be unignorable. It's got to be unignorable, meaning it doesn't just bleed into the background, right? Like you, you notice it. Every time you drive by, you notice it. Like I don't know how many of you ever drive like towards the city on 119th and South Lakes Park is right there. And at the beginning of both uh, spring and fall seasons, God bless South Lakes Park, they try. They put this giant like 40, 50 foot banner on the fence, and it lasts for like five days until the Oklahoma winds comes and it blows it down, right? But when they first put that up and you drive by, it is unmistakable and you cannot ignore it. You drive by and you go, whoa, there is a solid wall there. And it's like, oh, I guess soccer season is starting. Yeah, the point of a banner is to be seen. You raise or you display a banner to be seen or you do it to honor or to celebrate someone or something. Like I haven't been in a lot of your homes, but I know what's a common thing in many people's homes is that if you walk into someone's office and hanging on a wall, let's, I'll pick on, on Brian over here, my, my buddy from Georgia. I, I don't know, he, might, he, he, he probably would have this, would be a Georgia Bulldogs uh, football flag. Like you don't walk in to someone's house and see a Georgia Bulldogs flag and go, hey, are you a Georgia fan? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Captain Obvious. Like you just don't do that. Like you hang that proudly to announce who it is that you're for. Like when you drive up and down, at least in my neighborhood, when you drive up and down uh, the street, you'll see houses that have flagpoles that have the American flag out there. Now, at least in my experience, probably nine out of 10 times when I drive by and there's a flag hanging outside of someone's house, I know that probably a vet lives at that house. I know that. And I know that because they're proud to be an American because they served faithfully. And I know, okay, there is someone, and that's a, that's a, conversation, a conversation starter for me. Like anytime I see a flag and I meet my new neighbors, I'm like, hey, did you serve, right? Because you know, at least for me, nine out of 10 times, there's probably a vet living there because they're proud to be an American, all right? Someday, hopefully, I'll, I'll walk into, um, not Chesapeake, uh, Paycom. I'll walk into Paycom Arena someday, many, many years in the future, all right? And hopefully, hanging from the rafters will be this banner that says, champions. That will be a great day. And I will be like, yes. Awesome, because championship teams hang huge banners from the rafters to announce 
that we've won. Or like if you walk in to uh, the Bulls arena up in Chicago and you walk up there, hanging from the rafters is a giant banner with the numbers 23. And we all know that that is the number of Michael Jordan, the greatest player of all time. If you disagree with that, I'm sorry. I'll pray for your salvation, all right? But he's the greatest player of all time. He's awesome, all right? But you know, that is a retired number. And they're announcing that. That's what banners do. They're meant to be seen. You display them to honor them or to celebrate something. You also can display banners to invite someone in or just to attract people as they pass by, but it's gotta be unmistakable and it's gotta be unignorable. Those are two facts about banners that have to be true. Like if, you know, like when you go to like a Dodgers game at, uh, out at the ball field and, and they're giving out like those little pennants, you know, those little penny flies, like you can't hang that and expect everyone to see that. That's just meant to have fun. No, it's gotta be something massive that people can say, oh, I know what that is. So after victory, Moses builds an altar, and he calls the name of that place Jehovah Nisi. Because he wants the world to know we should not have won this battle, but it was the Lord who did it. Did you know that everyone in the world carries a banner that tells others what's important to them? Did you know that? Every single person in this room, every single person in the first service, every single person online, every single person in the world carries a banner that advertises to other people what is important to them. It's true. Let me, let me give you some common banners that Americans wave today. I'm a workaholic. I'm a helicopter parent. I'm anxiety ridden. I'm hopeless. I'm angry. I'm scared. I'm confused, I'm lost. These are common banners that people advertise about themselves. And you go, well, I don't know that, then you're probably not listening. Just listen, just listen. Isaac, one of our elders, works as a principal at a school, and I'm telling you, every kid that he comes in contact, sophomore class, right, Isaac? Sophomore, every sophomore is carrying around a banner And I bet Isaac probably knows what most banners are that those kids are carrying around because everyone carries around a banner. And Christians are no different. We also are called to carry around a banner. Our banner just kind of looks a little different. So let's talk about Jesus. There's a lot of of scripture out there about the coming of the Messiah. And one of my favorite passages is in Isaiah, and Isaiah is full of them, obviously. But Isaiah chapter 11, verse 10, it's going to be up on the screen here. This is, this is what it says. It says, in that day, the root of Jesse, a.k.a. Jesus, who shall stand as a signal for the peoples, of him shall the nations inquire, and his resting place shall be glorious. What if I were to tell you that the word signal is the same Hebrew word for banner? It's the word ness. So this scripture is saying that in that day, Jesus will stand as a banner for the people to see. Well, now that's interesting. So then you begin to look at Jesus's life and you begin to say, well, what kind of banner did Jesus carry? Because if everyone carried a Jesus, if everyone carried a Jesus, if everyone carried a banner, then Jesus carried one too. But the thing about Jesus's banner is two things. Number one, it was very unusual from everyone else's banner. And number two, it was very divisive from everyone else's banner. 
Not everyone liked what Jesus was doing. Like Jesus would carry on a banner that would say this, I am the son of God. Or he would carry on a banner. He wouldn't advertise this. You would just look at his life. And, and he, his banner was like, this is what a picture of right living in the eyes of God looks like. This is what it looks like to walk arm in arm with the Lord. This is what it looks like to live a spirit-filled life. And the fact of the matter is that many people were drawn to Jesus' banners that he was carrying. They were. Many people were drawn to that. But man, most were not. Most were not. Like, for example, Jesus was hanging out by a well one day. His disciples were grabbing in some lunch. It is lunchtime after all. And a woman who had been married multiple times and was shacked up with a guy that wasn't her, her husband at the time, he talks to her. And he's like, listen, I want to give you a drink that will, you'll never go thirsty again. Jesus' disciples roll up and they go, whoa, bro, do you not? That's the town hussy. Like, you don't hang out with her. She's a Samaritan. What are you doing? Jesus is like, I don't care. I don't care. One day, Jesus is walking through the streets. He looks up in a sycamore tree, and he sees this guy. He's a tax collector. He's a robber, and he's not very well liked. And he says, hey, you, get down here. And he comes down, and he goes, hey, listen, I want to go to your house. We're going to eat dinner together. And the religious leaders go, does he know what he's doing? Don't they know who that guy is? And Jesus is like, absolutely. I came to seek and save the lost. I came for him. Jesus is walking through the streets. He's going to go heal someone's daughter. And he feels someone touch him. And he goes, whoa, I just felt power left me. Who did this? And the disciples are like, hey, listen, I don't know if you notice, a lot of people are around you right now. And Jesus goes, no, this one's different. And this woman who had this bleeding issue for most of her life, who was ostracized from the world, she literally couldn't touch people or make her unclean. She couldn't live in the city because she'd make people unclean. She was ostracized from the world, touched Jesus. Instead of Jesus going, why are you touching me? Now I can't worship, said, hey, come on. And he offered her compassion and grace and mercy. Jesus waved a lot of banners, and many times people didn't like them, and they were put off. And the banners that he waved actually led to his crucifixion. See, when you place your faith and trust in Jesus, there's a reality that he now becomes our banner that we should proudly carry for the world to see. We should carry the banner of Jesus for everyone to see. You go, why should I care? Why should I care? Well, let's walk through some ways. There are some reasons that he should be our banner. Because if you're a Christian, we should live a life that celebrates and honors the fact that he's faithful to us. Jesus should be our banner because we should constantly be remembering and reminding ourselves who he is and what he's done. And we do that by being in his word and saying, ah, yes, this is who Jesus is. Jesus is our banner because he's taken us from, as the Bible says, an enemy of God to be an adopted child of God. He's changed our identity. Jesus is our banner because we are now his representatives to the world. Did you know that? Did you know that if you're a Christian here this morning that you are a representative of Jesus, or of the Lord, to the world? And you go, well, what am I representing? You are representing what the transformative power of salvation does in the life of a person. 
You are a living representation of what salvation can do in the life of a person. And not only are you a living example, you're a walking invitation. You're a walking invitation to the world to show them this is why Jesus matters. And you live an example of what faith in action looks like. You go, I, I, I didn't know. I, I just got saved so I wouldn't go to hell. That's why I got saved at 14. Someone said, hey, bro, you're going to hell. You want to see mom and dad? I was like, yeah, I want to see mom and dad. I ran down front, gave my life to Jesus. No one ever told me that I had to be a walking billboard. And then the Lord really grabbed hold of my life. <laughs> and he began to say, yeah, you need to be a difference maker. You need to be a difference maker. Why? Because you carry the banner of Jesus now. Because you carry the banner of Jesus. We belong to him as believers, and our identity is found in him. Remember how I said everyone carries around banners? Every Christian carries around a banner too. Let's talk about some common banners that Christians, I'm just talking about westernized Christians. I'm talking about Oklahoma Christians. Let's talk about some banners that we like to carry around. We like to carry around the banner that says, I'm a Sunday morning Christian only when it fits in my schedule. We like to carry around the banner that says, I like to turn to God during times of desperation when I have nowhere else to turn. This is the one I carried around for a very long time. And I was a, I was a minister. I hide my faith because I'm too embarrassed to stand out or afraid of what others will say. I'm afraid of what my boss might do if I take a stand at work. After all, I'm the primary breadwinner. And if I get fired, we're gonna lose our house. My kids aren't gonna get clothes. I can't take a stand. What is it that you carry? We all carry the banners. And by the way, the banner, I'm perfect because I'm a Christian, that banner does not exist, by the way. You may carry it around, you're fooling yourselves. That's not a banner that we carry because it doesn't exist. Instead, we should be carrying around banners like this. Hey, look at my life. It's nothing special, but it's a testament of what God can do in a person's life. Hey, look at my life. I'm not taking credit for how I've turned out because God's the one who's changed me. Hey, you want to know what's so special about Joey? You want to know what's so special about Isaac? You want to know what's so special about, insert your name. It's not because we're special. It's because my Savior is. And no, I'm not perfect. And no, I'll make mistakes. And I'll stick my foot in my mouth. You only have to hang out with me longer than 30 minutes and no, I'll stick my foot in my mouth. And that's okay. Because God is very patient with me. Very patient. The banner that I carry around is one that I hope that brings some glory and points people to Jesus. And as an added bonus, because he is our banner, he promises us that he's gonna fight the battles for us. 
he promises us that we don't go into battle by ourselves. That he gives us the weapons and the tools needed as we're on the front lines. We don't have time to go into Ephesians 6, but Ephesians 6 tells us that we actually are fighting a spiritual battle and not a physical one. Like everything that's wrong, everything that's wrong, it's all spiritually based. I don't have time to get into into all of that and stuff, but um, he says, because we're fighting this spiritual battle, God says in Ephesians 6, I need you to put on my armor. And he says, "I I need to clothe you in the strength of my might because you don't have the ability or the strength to carry all the way through for victory. But I can. Why? Because I'm for you. And you will never be alone in battle. See, here's what happens. I gave this example in the first service. When you're just trying to live a life that says, okay, I'm a living testimony of the transformative power of salvation in life, And I'm also a walking invitation to show people this is what faith looks like and you should join me on this journey. So I've used them a lot lately because they're probably some of my biggest heroes right now, okay? Um, TJ and Hope Hope Shin were in the first service. They've been coming for about three weeks now. They had, okay, just quick Reader's Digest version. Uh, She gave birth at 25 weeks to their baby. Um, Gracie is in NICU. She has good days. She has bad days. Um... And, um, and man, it's just, it's an incredible story. And I know their hearts. And I read their Facebook posts. And it's not like those fake Facebook posts. You know, we always like to post our, our, our best face. But, I mean, it's like genuine. And I know something about the shins that um, I don't know if they realized until I shared it this morning. The nurses in the NICU unit are wondering why the shins are different than most parents in the NICU unit. Because they have a 25-week-old who should, for all extensive purposes, be dead. And when it's high or it's a low day, the shins remain constant and faithful. They give God glory. They say, we give her into your hands. Man, you take care of it. And they're steady. And they would tell you it's not because they're rock stars. They would tell you because Jesus is the rock. And the thing is this. That's weird. That's really weird. Because there is a way that people are supposed to respond when you have a 25-week-old. And it's not one of a calm assurance. It's not. It's a, it's a rocky road. I've never been in that situation. I've known people who have been in that situation. And I'm sure that there's highs and it's lows. You're not supposed to be consistent and always say, God's got this. And people are looking at them because they're waving a banner that's different than what most people in that situation wave. Because they're a walking testimony to the transformative power of Christ in their lives. And they're also serving as an invitation saying, This is why he's worth it. Because he can give me a peace which surpasses all understanding in the midst of the worst storm. They're waving a banner that I promise you people in the hospital are talking about. I promise you. I promise you people on Facebook are talking about it when they post. I promise you. 
And the reason people talk about it is because it's a banner that's unusual. And they don't, people don't get it. What kind of banner do you wave? What kind of banner are you saying, this is what's important to me? Remember, banners have to be seen. They need to be unmistakable. And, 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 and you can't like, un, they're unavoidable. So as a Christian, let's just say you're all Christians in this room. I don't know if you are. All right, statistically, probably not, but let's just, let's just say yes. What banner are you waving for your families to see, for your neighbors to see, for your coworkers to see, for your community group to see, for your church to see, for the people at the grocery store to see? What banner are you waving? So I think there's some questions that we can focus on here, and then we're, we're going we're gonna to jet. If you're checking us out, it's never this early. So you came on a really good day, all right? So um, there's just food being provided, and I guess I'm just hungry. I don't know. A couple questions. Number one, what battles am I fighting in my own strength? What battle are you currently going through, or maybe you've gone through it already, or maybe it's on the horizon, you can see it coming? What is it that you're trying to fight in your own strength? And as a believer, do you recognize that you literally don't have the ability or the tools to be able to finish strong? Now, you may be able to have small victories along the way, okay? But you really are never going to persevere to the end because you just don't have the ability to. Not because you're not great people, all right? Not because you're not strong. It's because the Lord just says you literally can't because you need the tools that God provides. So what is it? that you're trying to fight on your own. Here's the second question I think is really important. What help could I give someone who is going through battle? So let's just say that maybe you've, you're a seasoned Christian. Now I'm not saying like, that's not like how old you are. That's just, you've gone through battles, you know the Lord has been faithful and you've experienced what, you know, the peace and the storm and all of that. And now you're walking around people and they're, they're freaking out and, and they're just, they're not relying on the Lord and they're trying to do it in their own strength. How can you help them? How can you come alongside of them, put your arm around them and go, hey man, let's go for coffee. What can we do? How can I help you? And how can you, how can you be a source of encouragement for them? Here's the third question. What banner do I raise up for the world to see? Whether you're a Christian or not, what banner are you raising up for the world to see that is demonstrating what's most important to you? I think a, a banner that I talk about all the time, but I don't want to like beat a dead horse, but I think a banner that a lot of Christians raise up is that sports is king. Sports is king. And I think that's, that's what people think are most important in Oklahoma, it's true. Like, there was probably a lot of tears that were shed because OU did not show up yesterday, right? And there was probably more tears shed that OSU did show up and thumped TCU, right? Because we get passionate about those things. Well, people see that. So what banner are you showing for the world to see? doesn't matter if you're a five-year-old or if you're an 85-year-old. We all are holding up banners, So what banner is it that you're showing? And I think a second question would be, are you proud of that banner? You know what? When the time comes for the Lord to take me home, I don't want my kids to say my dad was the best dad. I don't need my kids to say that he always did it right 
I just want my kids to say, he always trusted in Jesus. That's what I want. Because if my kids can see the banner of I have always trusted in Jesus no matter how dark it's gotten, then my kids will have a fighting chance because they've seen their dad wave that banner. And that's a banner that I will proudly wave, Lord willing, to the day that I die. What banner do you hold up? And are you proud of that? Fourth question. Would you like a new banner to hold up? So I think this is a two-parter. Um, I think on one side, we, we look at it as a non-believer. So if, if you've never placed your faith and trust in Jesus, then you need to know something that you, are, you were worth God sending his son to die for. And he died on the cross and he took the punishment that you deserve. And the Bible is very clear that because we are sinners, we deserve death. And death is eternal separation from God. But Jesus paid the price and he rose from the grave, proving that the price had completely been paid. And now the Bible just says you need to believe. You need to trust in who Jesus said he was, that he died for your sins, that he rose from the grave. And you ask him to be king of your life. And you change that banner from I'm living this world on my own to now I'm an adopted child of God, all right? So that's one way that you can change a banner. It's the biggest way that you can change a banner. But let's say that you're a Christian. You go, you know what? I am super ashamed of the banner that I'm waving. Did you know that I'm not asking you to make giant changes in your life to pick up a new banner? Did you know you can make small incremental changes, that will have a lasting impact that will eventually affect the banners that you raise. For example, maybe instead of listening to uh, Britney Spears on the car ride home, all right? Yeah, you guys, you know you listen to Britney, all right? So turn Britney off, all right? And don't put Christina Aguilar on, all right? Listen to the Bible. Listen to the Bible, okay? Or Hank Aaron, maybe, that, maybe that's my audience here, so, all right? Um, just put the Bible on. That's a, small, that's a small change. You're still in the car the same amount of time. You're not adding anything new to your life time-wise. You're just changing what's intaking. It's a small incremental change. What about this? The next time something bad happens, it could be a big bad or a little bad. Instead of freaking out and losing your mind and it all hits the fan and you're like, ah, why don't you say, okay, stop. Let's pray about this for a second. It doesn't have to be a long prayer. It can be one of those 30-second prayers. Like, God, I don't know what to do, but I know I don't have the strength to do this. I give this to you. Give me wisdom. It can be one of those prayers. That's a, that's a small incremental change. I shared a couple weeks ago, prayer has nothing to do with God. It has everything to do with reminding ourselves that God's in, in control. And so you stop and you go, all right, you got this. It's small incremental Changes, small things that will eventually make a big, big difference. I'm going to be introducing a small incremental change that we're going to be doing as a church as a whole starting January 1. It's nothing major. It's small. But if we were to do it together as a church, man, the banner that our church would wave, the banner that you would wave as an individual, whew, he would be life-changing. But it's a small incremental change. So you don't have to sell your house and move to Bangladesh to wave a new banner. 
You don't have to offer your child up as a sacrifice on an altar, right? To give your, you don't have to do that, right? You don't have to sell your car and get a beater car instead because the Lord's, he's not asking you to, to, to live in poverty necessarily. Like we're not talking monumental changes. We're talking small changes that have a lifetime impact that affects the banner that people see you waving. Would you like to have a new banner? It's not as hard as it sounds. It just takes time. Let me pray for you. Father, I come to you in the mighty name of Jesus and I pray for my church. I pray for those online. God, there is a harsh reality here that every single person in this room, we are waving banners for the world to see. Whether good or bad, God, we are, we are advertising to people what's most important to us. And so, Father, I pray for the banners that every single person in this room and online are waving this morning. I pray, God, that they would seriously reflect upon what those banners are. And we would ask, man, is this a banner that I'm proud to be waving? Am I proud to be waving this banner of anxiety or anger or lack of faith in God? Am I proud of this banner that I'm waving on how I'm raising my kids, what kind of spouse I am? God, are we proud of the banners that we're waving? What are we advertising? Every believer in this room, Father, we are a walking testimony, or should be, of the transformative nature of Jesus in our lives. And we should be walking around as an invitation for the world of what faith looks like in action. So, Father, I ask in the beginning of this service, I ask that your spirit would have a freedom to move in the hearts of people. And so, Father, you and the people in this room are the only two that know what banners everyone's waving in this room. And so, Father, I pray that they would have a serious conversation with you right now and they would reflect upon the banner that they're waving. Because there was no other choice at the end of the battle for Moses to say, the Lord is my banner because there could be no one else who could take credit for victory that day. I want my life to say the same thing. So with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I always like to ask two questions of everyone. The first question is for those in this room that you, you say you're a Christian, all right? And, and you say that Jesus is king of your life. So my question for you is simply the one that I've, been, I've, I've ended on. What banner are you waving and are you proud of that banner? What banner are you showing the world? And are you proud of that? My second question is for those that you might be floundered in your faith. You may not even have faith. You may not even know that there was a God that loved you enough to die for you. My question for you is this. Would you like to plant the banner of the Lord into your life today? 
Because if so, it's as easy as a prayer. It's as easy as just confessing, you know what, I am a sinner. I've done wrong. And Jesus took it all on the cross for me. You ask for forgiveness. You ask him to be king of your life. You ask him to plant his banner into your life. So everyone in this room, one of two questions, which banner are you waving, Christian, and are you proud of it? And secondly, would you like to have Jesus plant his banner into your life? God, would you work in this room in a powerful way as we just sit in quiet reflection and listen to your spirit and have a conversation with you from the youngest child to the oldest adult. Then we examine the banners that we're waving for the world to see. After you're done talking to the Lord, I would invite you to stand and join Elizabeth and the band as they sing. But first, and have this conversation about banners with your, in your life with the Lord. Elizabeth, let's go ahead and let's sing. Thanks again for listening to this message. For more information about South Lakes Church, go to slchurch.life.